special edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. It's the Australian Open special edition podcast, and here's your host, James Martin. All right, so we were uh, obviously going to be back next week during the second week of the Australian Open, but after hundreds of emails and imploring us for uh, another podcast as week one of Australian Open ends, uh, we're here for the fans. We're back. I'm James Martin with Steve Tigner and Tom Parada, and we're going to break down the draws we head into the weekend. A lot of exciting matches and a big surprise. We'll start with it right away. Kim Kleister's. Not that she lost, maybe guys to Petrova. I mean, you know, I mean, you can see maybe okay she loses, but she got tuned. 51, 52 minutes, 6 love, 6 1. Bad for Kim as she summarized her match. It sucks, which I think kind of pretty much gets the, the whole match right in the nugget. But what does this mean for the, the women's draw? Is the big question, I think. Is it now way more open uh, because Kleister's out and Hennen gets through her match, but how much more energy is she going to have? Or is it much more closed and we might as well just give Serena the, uh, the trophy? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, now it's starting to look like. A repeat of last year. Suddenly, the the um, resuscitation of women's tennis is may have been a little overrated. Uh, the Belgians, uh, Justine did look tired, and Kim just came out. It looked like she got up on the wrong side of the bed. And Petrova played the best match I've ever seen her play. Kim really didn't give her that much credit afterwards. She said that Kim basically said that she let Petrova that's right. beat her, which I don't know if that's necessarily true. But now you're looking at Serena Williams and. Maybe even Dinara Safina, the finalist last year, who nobody was talking about. Her her side of the draw has opened up a little bit. Hennen is still there, of course, but but maybe not looking like the world beater that uh, we thought she was. She plays a fellow Belgian, Yanina uh, Wickmeyer, next. Yeah, I mean, and the Hennen match against Club Nikova, I mean, you know, Hennen basically got back into the match because of her opponent not p- sustaining that level of play. I mean, she, Club Nikova is not the fittest player out there, as we know, but... She she definitely let up on the gas and and let Hennen get in there, but you know after the Dementieva went for Hennen and and Tom, I mean I, I think there's going to be questions now for Hennen just because this is her you know she's just come back to the tour. I'm just I just don't see her having the the endurance now to get to the final and and possibly even beat a Serena in that match. I don't see it either. I mean she's played the most entertaining tennis so far. It's been great to watch her, but. You see some of the old signs already. She's got some tape on her leg. She's a little bit winded in matches. She looks a little bit stiff. Uh, it looks like she's breaking down, and it's still pretty early. I mean, there's a lot of tough matches to go. If she wins this tournament, it'll be I, – I don't think she's quite ready yet. She hasn't played enough matches or gone through a tournament of this you know, caliber yet to be in shape to do it. But at the same time, who, who do you think could beat her? She's, she's on a good side, Justine, without either Williams' sister. It's hard to see somebody who you would just favor to – to, to beat Justine. That's true. I mean, she should be Wickmeyer. I mean, Safina's the, obviously the top seed in, in her half, and we, we all know Safina's playing okay right now, I guess, but, you know, once it gets to that big match, you do, you do question whether she's going to be able to handle the pressure of playing against him. And Hennen. same for Kuznetsova, who uh, Justine would get in the quarters. That's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think she could, get th- she could get through the – she could even get through her half because of the draw she has, but I think she's going to be – really beaten up on the way to doing it. If she doesn't, if she gets to the final and plays Serena Williams, it could be a really, it could be a very bad final. And and on the other side, you look at the, the other half, you've got obviously Serena and Venus and everyone, you know, certainly ESPN, I'm sure, is, is praying nightly that they get a Serena-Venus, uh, you know, semifinal. But Serena's got potentially, I mean, she's got Suarez-Navarro in her next match. Shouldn't be a problem there. 
She looks like she'll eventually play, I hope, would be uh, Victoria Azarenka in a rematch. Azarenka had Serena last year, then the roof got closed and, and things went pear-shaped for Azarenka. But that could be a little dicey, don't you think? I mean, for Serena, if there is going to be a, a stumbling block on the way to, to meeting Venus. Yeah, Azarenka beat Serena in Key Biscayne last year, but then Serena kind of righted the ship, beat her at Wimbledon. So I would, I would still pick Serena and really suddenly out of nowhere, nobody was really talking about Serena, even though she's a defending champion. Only because the Belgians were the, the story of the tournament. Now it, it seems like, you know, we're gonna, s you know, likely see Serena holding up the trophy again. Yeah, I kind of agree. I I, I look at what happened with Kleisters and, okay, Hennen's still there with a good with a good half, I guess. But you know, Tom, I, I agree with Steve. I I think, I think Serena's gonna win this. I mean, Wozniacki, maybe she could beat Venus because of her consistency, and Venus has an off day. But again, I I don't see a, a Woz or or Venus beating Serena at this point. Uh, you got to pick Serena to win right now. I think you might not get um, Venus and Serena in a match, though, and one person you might uh, hasn't gotten a lot of attention is Agnieszka, Agnieszka Radvanska, who's looked really good through two rounds. She's only lost three games. Very steady player who I think that sort of game can really bother Venus. Venus could very easily lose to her. Um, and then we might see Wojniacki or Radvanska against Serena Williams, which would be a good matchup for Serena. And uh, before we leave the women, I guess we should quickly touch on uh, Yankovic. Uh, pretty... Pretty bad loss, I thought, against Bondarenko yesterday. What's happened to the Serbs? I mean, the two years ago, they're the, they're the toast of the town. They're, they're playing well. We're hearing the stories about playing in a swimming pool and, and, and learning the game and how they're going to take over tennis. And now it seems to be the Russians' revenge, as, as we were talking, Steve. And it was just a bad match for Yankovic. She just, her footwork looked poor in that match. Um, and she didn't really look like she was in the fighting spirit to me. I, I just thought it was a pretty bad effort. Yeah, it's not the same thing as Ivanovic. You can't really link them together. Ivanovic seems like it's nerves, it's a hitch in her serve that, that's throwing her off, throwing her whole game, her whole mentality off. Yankovic just looked kind of, uh, I guess, disinterested or, or uh, just unhappy in, in to be out there in the first place, let alone competing to win. I don't know what her, her problem has been. It's been pretty true since she reached number one a year ago. She, she hasn't looked like she's enjoyed tennis as much. I, I don't really know where that comes from i mean a lot of thing was made about the training with Echeberry. remember before the season started last year and did she overtrain and that's kind of the way some people spun it last year when she was struggling maybe she overtrained she played too much tennis that's why she's struggling but i mean you can't use that as an excuse now or even or a reason but there's also the aspect of her serve and maybe she when she rose up to number one that was at a point when kim and justine were out uh, serena wasn't playing as much she didn't play much in that fall when when yankovic became number one and Maybe Yankovic just didn't have a game that could really challenge for a grand slam, and we realize that now. Uh, she's never had a, a big serve, and that, that is the difference maker in, in the grand slams for the women. She also looks impatient to me. She looks like before she went on this run and became number one, I mean, what, there was a stretch in there. How many matches in a row did she lose in the first round? And, and she was eas very easily frustrated at that point, even though everyone thought she was a very talented player. She seems to be reverting to that style a little bit, where she's not willing to you know, hit three or four extra balls in a point, really grind things out, which is what she has to do. That's her body type, and that's the style of game she has. And once you lose, I think, your patience for stuff like that, a play like that can lose very, very easily to a lot of people. Well, you saw that in the Bondarenko match. I mean, she was in the middle of a couple long rallies, particularly in that second set, and then she just drop shot, which I think Martina Navratilova was right. She's, all right, time to get out of the point. I'm going to hit a drop shot. I don't want the pressure of having to hit some more balls to win this point. And uh, her point construction was just poor, and I think you're right. She 
she doesn't have the the she's not mentally willing to stay out there and and do what it takes to to win these matches right now. So it's a uh, it's a bit surprising. But let's move on to the men's side of the of, of things here. We've got uh, the fourth round set for one half, and we've got the third round uh, concluding this weekend for the other the other half. And let's look at that half first. The I guess the the two big things that strike me looking at this draw. Hewitt Baghdadis, that's obviously going to be a, a big marquee matchup. A couple years ago, they played that incredibly long match, concluding around 4:30 in the morning Aussie time. Uh, they just played in Sydney la- a week week and a half ago, so uh, that's going to be a, a real throwdown, don't you guys think? I mean, I, I like Baghdadis in that as long as he doesn't cramp, but it should be a it should be a really good match. It should be a good match. Hewitt's playing well, um, and Baghdadis seems like he's on a slow upswing. He he cramped in his last match against Ferrer, but he plays well in Australia, partially because of the crowd. Like they brought him back from his um, from from down two sets for one of the first times in his career against Ferrer. Uh, but my question would be: Can either of those guys beat Federer? And I don't know. I think Baghdadis has the better chance there. Yeah, I, I agree. And but I, I think either one of those guys, when they come out of that match, potentially could be quite drained. And I think that's going to play into Federer's hands. I'd say Baghdadis has a better chance of beating Federer, but I think Hewitt's going to win that match, even though in a strange way it's kind of a home match for Baghdadis more than Hewitt. He, Baghdadis gets a lot more crowd support. Do you think the crowd will be more behind Yeah, Baghdadis? they get more behind him than more Hewitt. More vocally, I mean, even, sure, certainly. Even at that match you know, a few years ago, they went to 4.30 in the morning. He, he didn't lose because uh, he felt like he was in an away match. It just didn't happen. I think he's going to have a little trouble with Hewitt, though. It's a, you know, Hewitt never beats himself, and I think Baghdadis, if you give him enough time, he will he will start breaking down a little bit. He d- it does make Baghdadis. I'm not a huge Baghdadis fan, but his matches down in Australia with that this, the, the crowd behind him like that, it, it does make those matches, even against Ferrer, which would be a could have been a dull match out on some outer court at the U.S. Open. They make him. It makes it so much more exciting to watch. So he could be good fun. theater. And then on th- on the bottom part of that draw, Novak Djokovic has a incredibly uh, on the paper anyway, incredibly easy way through. He's had to play Istomin in 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 this current round, third round. And he probably will play Yuzny. There's Songa down there, but you've got Amagro, Fala, Tommy Haas. Djokovic has got to be, uh, you know, just chomping at the bit just to get get through and, and face either a Davidenko or a Federer. The only problem I see with Djokovic in the first couple rounds is that he's, he seems to be tinkering with his game at the wrong time. seems to be making changes in his serve and, and the way he's approaching matches maybe with almost a little too much calmness for him. He, he plays his best when he's, when he's got a reason to win, when he's motivated, fired up. And this isn't the time. Doesn't seem like the time or the draw for him to to do anything different. He's got a real opportunity to to get all the way to the semis in the final. It is interesting. Martin has this such tries to have this such a calming influence on him, and, and Todd is such a thoughtful guy, and he's he, you know he's he doesn't he doesn't ever do anything seemingly spontaneous. And Djokovic is this emotional guy, and, and I think he I I do think he needs to let some of that you know the Joker the loco Joker guy out on the court to to perform well and on the big stage and. I think that is a question. Is he going to try to be too thoughtful, and could that come b- back and bite him? Yeah, I'm with Steve on this one, too. I mean, watching Djokovic's game, he should be happy that he has such an easy draw because he does make me a little nervous right now. It's it's it doesn't have the edge that it used to have, and I don't even mean the emotional edge. He doesn't seem to have as much behind his shots. Not The angles aren't as sharp. The serve is a little bit off. Usually uh, is playing really well. He could actually give him Song some trouble well. Song if he gets well. that point. And Song is playing well, too. And, you know, that year that Djokovic won this tournament, Songa actually had a pretty good chance in that final. If a few more things went his way late in that match, Djokovic was getting pretty tired, but he didn't quite have the uh, mental uh, ability then to, to win that match. 
This is this is all a moot point, of course, because Davidenko is going to win this half and, and win the tournament, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> he's certainly he's certainly become uh, the most quotable guy down under, so that's been good. From uh, vodka to uh, just making money, he's 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 been great. Um, but I, I am starting to get a sense that you know he maybe isn't taking his chances as seriously as he probably should, because I, I think he's still uh, looking good to get through that. Well, he and Verdasco, he and Verdasco should have a great match uh, yeah. in, oh. if they play. If Verdasco the plays round. the way he played last year, that'll just be amazing to watch. Yeah, that will be great. Hopefully that'll happen. And then we have the round of 16 already set for the the other half, and uh, that's a that's a tough half, and we've got some interesting matchups. We've got Murray and Isner, for example. I know a lot of the American listeners are going to be very keen to watch that match. Um, I, I thought Murray's obviously just won his last match very convincingly, and a stat that really jumped out at me when I was looking at that, guys, was that Murray, um, he played Sarah, and he hit 50, 49 winners in that match, which to me, that's a great sign if you're a Murray fan because – if there was one thing that he was criticized for in the second half of last year, playing too defensive, too counter-punching, not taking it to his opponents, he had a lot of winners in that match. And if Murray can continue to do that and play aggressive when needed and hit some winners, combined with his counter-punching, that's going to make him really tough. I think he'll take out uh, you know, Isner and, and get through that um, pretty handily. I know Isner can be tricky, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from Andy Murray right now. I like Murray in that quarter. I think he's a good matchup with Isner because of his return. He'll force Isner to hit more balls than he'd like to. And then if he plays Nadal, I still like like Murray on this court. Um, Murray hasn't has never proven himself at a Grand Slam, but you do feel like it should happen and it will happen at one point, and you know maybe this is the time. Yeah, I mean, what did you think? I mean, Nadal um, got through Kolschreiber, and it was a four-set match. Nadal didn't feel he played well in a couple sets, but at you know he finished it pretty strongly, pretty convincingly. I thought his forehand down the line. I mean, that, if he has that going, that adds such variety to his game because it. He hits it for winners or, or gets him right in an offensive position, and it also lets him hit that cross-court forehand more. It's not as predictable. I, I was impressed with the way he finished it, and um, I think he'll get through through Karlovich. He'll get, he'll get through Karlovich, and I, I think if he plays Mario, it'll be a good – should be a very good match, but it's going to be tough for him. I like the way he's looked so far, but it's not like last year. I mean, last year from start to finish at that tournament, he looked unbeatable, except in the final where you thought, well, he's really tired and it's Federer and it's going to be a tough match, but – up until that point, I didn't think anybody could touch him at all, and he's not quite there yet. But, you know, in a couple rounds, he, he might be. I think at least he's moving really well. There's no signs of the knees troubling him. He seems to be serving pretty hard, so his abdomen problem seems to be gone. Um, it could be a very good match. Well, one of the things I thought kind of bothered me, and Steve and I were talking about this before the pod about Roddick um, going to another American, is you know, the, the commentators, Brad and, and, and Pat McEnroe, they were kind of, they were saying against Lopez, well, you know, he's got to play more aggressive. He's got to you know, just just take it to them. And it's, it's kind of like sometimes these guys, they're, they're playing good, playing opponents who are, are hitting the ball really well. And I thought Lopez played well up until the end, obviously, where he, he fell apart as pre- as predicted, I guess. But what about Roddick? I mean, he, he did get through. I thought it was a good match for him to get through. Uh, I thought he played well. I thought he, he, he moved the ball around well. His slice backhand seems to be working pretty well. Uh, he served good. He seems like he's he's got a good shot here right now, but he's got Del Potro looming. I don't agree with that strategy either against Lopez. I don't think Lopez is the sort of guy that Roddick needs to take it, take his game to Lopez. Lopez is a huge hitter who's going to make a lot of mistakes. If Roddick plays steady and, you know, retrieves a lot and serves well, he's going to beat someone like that. He needs to take his game to Federer and Nadal, people who aren't going to miss. That's a different story, but yeah, I, I don't see that. it in that match, no. Yeah. What, about against, good. what about against somebody like DePoltro, I wonder? I guess it's hard to it, – it will be hard to take it to somebody like Del Potro. You have So Roddick's sort of in a – uh, odd position in that one. He 
he needs to he can't just let the points come to him but he's not going to overpower del potro either he he's lost a couple close matches to to del potro they i think they match up pretty evenly it should be it should be a good match del potro has been winning solidly not not perfectly he hasn't been blowing anybody out but he's he's showing that he can win without his best which which i think is one of the real strong points for him yeah i love what i've seen from him because he hasn't really been that great and his wrist has been bother him a little bit supposedly or it seems like it's getting a little better it seems to be getting better but uh <laughs> the thing about him that is good is as steve said even if he's not playing great he seems to think he can beat anybody on any day and he should really never lose a match which is a nice attitude and it's great to see him like that because you know three and four years ago he was not like that and it seems that the u.s opens had a pretty positive effect on him rather than making him think oh now i have to win all the time and making him nervous yeah he could have lost to blake he was down two sets to one and a lot of people the way that match was going, you would you would think he would go down in the fourth, but he didn't. He immediately came back, broke serve, and won the fourth set. So he um, he's going to be a, a tough out. He's got Silich, which is obviously one of the other up-and-comers to get through first. And that, I don't think that's going to be an easy match for Del Paltrow, and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him in that match. Um, but, yeah, I think he should come through. And, and They played I down there last year, if I'm not mistaken, and I, I don't know if he beat him in four. I can't remember what it was. He beat him in four at the U.S. Open. I mean... They, they they play similar, but I, I and I agree with Steve. I mean, his firepower that Del Potro has, even with Roddick. I mean, Roddick can push the ball a little bit, and when they get into those long rallies. It only takes that one swing from Del Potro on the forehand, no matter where he is on the court, and it just it's over. And um, so, you know, I, I think if you get Del Potro through that, and then you've got possibly Murray and the, and and they meet, that would be you know fantastic for the tournament. But we'll have to see. Is there anything you guys think has been? What, what do you guys think is the biggest surprise so far in the tournament? I mean, I guess Kleisters is probably. Uh, going to be my biggest surprise. I picked her to, to win the women's draw, but what do you guys uh, think has so far in the first week been the biggest surprise? Tom, you got anything? Uh, Kleister's <laughs> is by far the biggest surprise. I mean, uh, you're losing, yeah, you can see it. 0-1 to Petrova, that really surprised me a lot. And she's a sort of player that doesn't, her game is never, uh, you know, flatness is not usually a problem for her. She's not overly aggressive. She's a very steady player with pretty compact, consistent technique. You know, if she's saying she's playing that bad and had no feel, I mean, that's pretty out of the ordinary for her to put in such a bad performance. I guess that's the surprise is the, the two Belgians suddenly, just when everyone was talking about them as if they were going to rescue women's tennis, they they aren't or they, they might not. Well, it's up to Justine, and uh, Justine has got to uh, come through this weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with another podcast to see uh, what happened over the weekend and, and look forward to the quarters and semis. So uh, until then, enjoy the tennis. I'm James Martin with Steve Tigner and Tom Prada. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.